Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christian. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing very well today. We had a crazy weekend of baseball, particularly a crazy Sunday. A lot of just unorthodox, weird things happen. Uh, of course, like, I mean, we'll get into them today. But, I mean, two things that are like a, a once-in-a-decade uh, experience, if that even. Um, one of them has only happened once. One of them has never happened. Um, yeah. So into it. Yeah. So the the highlight of the day was uh, I, I wasn't really around. I, was, I wasn't around a TV or really the Internet while I wasn't this here. was going on. And it's it's pretty insane <laughs> what happened. And it kind of was the perfect team to happen to this year. <laughs> to really put an exclamation point on uh, on the failure that has been their 2022 so far. But, uh, but yeah, so the, the Pirates got a one, one, nothing win yesterday uh, that improved them to 15 and 19. If you, and then, uh, so you figure, you know, pretty good job by pirates pitching offense was able to pull through for a run. Uh, and then you go to the box score you see the the pirates didn't get a hit. Mm-hmm. Reds lost on a on a granted eight inning no hitter, but like it's still eight innings of no hit ball, and they lost. Uh, <laughs> what what was your uh, what was your how did you how did you take this in? So I took it in the way that anyone on ARR would by naturally going to baseball savant. Um, yeah. So Hunter Green pitched for the Reds. Um, it was probably, I mean, it was weird to say it was his best start because I think he walked five batters, um, but right. seven in the third innings, I mean, like, I don't know how I felt about, so let me just break down how the pirates scored their run. All right. Hunter green finished the seventh inning with 103 pitches and a no hitter still intact, which I think I thought it was crazy that they kept him in at that point. Like the dude consistently throws a hundred and he's very young. Like, I don't know how, like. Know, stretching him seems like pretty crazy in that scenario. Um, but he came back out for the eighth. He got a ground out for the first batter of the inning, and then he walked two guys and finished his outing at 119 pitches. Uh, and then Art Warren came in and he gave up um, a he gave up another walk. So that was three straight walks to load the bases, two from Green, one from uh, Warren. And then Brian Reynolds hit into a force out, which scored the one run. And the Pirates went on to win by a one nothing score. Um, pretty remarkable. And when you looked at the Savant, it actually kind of made sense. It was one of the better thrown no-hitters. Um, it was definitely, like, you know, we talked about the, uh, like, the you know, the Babbitt luck from Reed Demers. And, like, right. the, the Reds probably had it better. The Pirates on the day had an 088 team expected batting average. Uh, they only had two balls. 
that had an expected batting average above 300, um, which granted they were both very high. Uh, a Brian Hayes in the sixth inning hit a ground out that was uh, that had a 580 expected batting average, but it was a ground ball. It only had a two degree launch angle at 103 miles an hour. Um, so it makes sense why that play was made. The other one was Michael Perez uh, hit a hit a line out. It was hit at a 480 expected batting average, 101.7 mile per hour exit velocity, 18 mile an hour or 18 degree launch angle uh, and 342 foot distance. This was in the third inning. So it was probably just like a line drive to center field or something like that. I think that makes the most sense. I haven't seen it. Um, but those are really the only two balls that the Pirates got a good hold of during the game. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was looking at, at that too last night. Yeah. There was a lot of weak contact that Hunter Green was inducing um, and he had been struggling the previous few starts. So yeah, I guess it was good to see him, you know, just, uh, just, you know, put guys away and, and induce some weak contact. But, uh, but yeah, it resulted in a, uh, in a loss for him. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I guess my, takeaway was you know not that it, not that this needs to be my thing but it kind of validated a little bit on my uh on my anti somewhat anti no hitterism or maybe not maybe not being as into no hitters as other people because you know obviously because this also wasn't like the pirates didn't score on an unearned run no it was, it they was it. yeah it was on the pitcher's mistakes of you know three walks and then you know naturally if you load the bases you can just score a run even not getting a hit obviously as that as that happened on a fielder's choice um so yeah like you know it even though even though hunter green um hunter green went seven and two thirds uh of no hit ball i think it's still very possible that we see a better performance out of him this year that doesn't involve him allowing no hits. Like if he goes, yes, if he goes eight innings allows three hits, but no walks like that, he might end up with a better performance. Oh, definitely. Uh, I mean, I'm sure by game score, it would be a better performance. Unless, right, there's, yeah. like, unless there's earned runs involved, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah. Unless earned runs are, involved but yeah he he did he allowed <clears throat> he allowed an earned run <laughs> against the pirates uh which you know yeah. that's funny enough um but yeah i guess it goes against or it goes uh with my narrative of like maybe you know so some no hitters are better than others obviously and you know when you have come when you have six combined walks it can create some mm -hmm. some havoc and allow a run not that you know Hunter Green obviously didn't deserve to lose the game. He only allowed yeah, one run, true. but but uh, but yeah, you can still allow a run in a no hitter. Yeah, and like you could probably argue he shouldn't have been in the game in that situation. Like I like I don't know. Like obviously 103 pitches, I get the no hitter, and you want to want to try to give him that. But like even after the first batter he walked, like how? And by the way, both walks in that inning were on three two counts, so he was throwing more pitches and and allowing base runners. Um. So I don't know. I I mean, I thought it would have made sense to take him out before they did. That probably could have uh, prevented the run from scoring. But now we have this piece of history instead. Yeah, for sure.
Yeah, I guess I guess we'll take it. Um, the Pirates have like the coolest luck with no hitters. Like in 2017, they had that Rich Hill game where they were getting no hit through nine, and then Josh Harris yep. hit the walk off home run to lead off the tenth. And then of course there was this. The only legitimate no hitter uh, against them was um, Lucas Giolito in 20. Yeah, yeah, Lucas Giolito. Yeah, that is that's very funny. Um, yeah, it went it went yeah. into the tenth. Side note: I'm looking at some of the other uh, no hitters where the team ended up winning. There have been six in history, including this Pirates one, and there are some cool games in here. So, of course, the most recent one was um, was on June 28th of 2008. It was uh, the Angels no hitting the Dodgers, and the Dodgers still winning one to nothing. Um, the Dodgers had three walks in that game. I I mean, I think the the honor there was an honored run that probably caused it to score. Yeah, the Angels had two errors, so that makes sense. Um, Dodgers scored in the fifth inning. Let me check. It was uh, yeah, a reach on error, a stolen base, and an advanced and an adv- so it was two. It was two errors. Matt Matt Camp huh. reached on an uh, on a ground ball uh, in front of home to the pitcher. He stole second, and the throw went into the outfield, so he advanced to third on the throw. And then Blake Dewitt hit him in on a sack fly, and that was the one run. Um, Great name. Yeah. So that game, like there was two errors in the same inning. That's the only reason the run scored. Um, who was pitching that game for the angels or Dodgers? Uh, who, well, who, who's throwing the no hitter? Jared Weaver started oh, and a uh, Jose Arandondo Arandondo, I think his name is, uh, came in and pitched the last two innings. Um, That's funny. in 1992, um, I believe Cleveland. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Cleveland got no hit by the Red Sox and they won two to one, uh, which is really funny. Yeah. So run um, the Red yeah. Sox. Two runs. The Red Sox made one error. Um, okay, so th- this one makes sense. Kenny Lofton walked. He stole second and third, and then uh, Carlos Borrega reached out an error um, on the throw. I don't know if it was the first or home, but if it was the first, that run would have scored anyway. The second one was, um, the second run was scored in the third inning. Uh, walk, walk, force out, fielder's choice. So the errors had nothing to do with it, but it was a 2-1 game. This might be my favorite. In 1990, uh, the White Sox and Yankees played a game that the uh, White Sox got no hit, and they won 4 nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um... I think we I think we talked about this like briefly before I think it was last year. Really? Um because uh 1990 had I think eight no hitters or or seven no hitters or something like that. Um right. and uh and like we were looking at the game logs of one of them and it was like one of the one of these guys who threw a no hitter lost four to nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> and uh I think we watched like we watched a little video of it and like the commentators were so distraught. They're like, I can't believe, <laughs> yeah. but I think it was most, that was mostly errors. I'm pretty sure. The Yankees made two errors. It looks like, uh, I don't know. The Yankees made three errors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's, let's look into this one. It was, they scored all their runs in the eighth inning, by the way. Um, yeah. Okay, so, and they got the first two outs. So that's hilarious. Uh, pop fly, pop fly. No one on with two outs. Sammy so reached on an E5. He stole second. Ozzie Guillen walked, Lance Johnson walked, 
Robin Ventura reached on E7, fly ball. Sosa scores, no RBI unearned. Guillen scores, no RBI unearned. Johnson scores, no RBI unearned. And then, yeah, the Yankees made three errors in the inning. Uh, and then there's another, there's an E9. Yeah. So there was three errors all in the inning. And then this might be my favorite one. In 1967, the, the year of the pitcher. Or no, sorry, that's a year later. Um, still in that era. Yeah, still the era. Still a pretty good year for pitchers. Um, yeah. Detroit got no hit by Baltimore. They won two to one. And they had 10 walks. <laughs> Steve Barber, what an outing for Steve Barber. Eight and two thirds innings pitch, no hits allowed. Um, one, two runs, one earns, 10 walks, three strikeouts. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's just awesome. A nice 0.3 strikeout to walk ratio. Um, the funnier part was, um, so the, the Orioles were winning one to nothing going into the top of the ninth. So he was like going to finish off the no hitter, like just as, you know, just as a no hitter is right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Walk, walk, bunt, ground out, pop fly, or foul pop fly. So there's two outs now with a guy on, I believe, second and third. Uh, wild pitch scores, guy on third. Fielder's choice, uh, the other guy scores. So there were three walks in that inning, 10 overall. All right, yeah. And the last one, uh, 1964, this one also involved the Reds, but they were on the – uh, the other end of it, they got no hit by the Colt 45s. Uh, uh, of course, of course, they scored the one run uh, in the top of the ninth. Um, ground out, reach on air. Uh, oh, P. Rose reached on an air and went to second. Um, there was a bunt, or no, there was a ground ball that he went to third on, not a bunt, and then another reach on air. So, yeah, yeah. That, that's it. Those are all the... Uh, the no hitter wins. Yeah. It's so fun. I love it. it. It's only happened six times since 1901. I need to see, I need to look more into that, uh, that outing from Steve Barber. Yeah. Yeah. He just did not, did not, could not find the strike zone. Eight innings pitched 10 walks. Yeah. Like that's, that just is insane. And I, <laughs> I guess any innings pitch with 10 walks is insane. Right. That would never, ever, ever happen now. I bet the media was still like, well, I can't believe they, I can't believe they lost. They in took a no him out with a no hitter. Yeah. <laughs> he went because he went eight and two thirds. Right. Yeah. How, how, how do you take him out there? He's throwing a no hitter. I mean, who, who could possibly gosh, be better than him? He hasn't given up a hit. These gosh darn pitch counts. I know he's at 172. He, he was basically pitching with a blindfold on, but he hadn't given up a hit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's see. How many eight-inning pitch, 10-walk outings have there ever been? Oh, wow, Nolan Ryan had a bunch. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Nolan uh, Ryan on in 1974, 13 innings pitched. Oh, 19 uh, strikeouts, 10 walks? Yeah. <laughs> I remember, yeah, I remember talking about that one. Yeah, uh, I was like, and I was thinking, like, he must have thrown 250 pitches. Yeah, there have been 185 such games. The most recent was in 1993. It was Tim Wakefield. Um, ah. Ten hmm. innings pitched, eight, six, six hits, uh, 
two runs, 10, 10 walks, one strikeout, one home run. That was before he got control of the uh, knuckleball. Yeah. The best game score was uh, was Jim Maloney on hmm. August 19th, 1965. Ten innings pitched, no hits. It's an actual no-hitter. I think his team won. Um, oh. that, that's, that's the weirdest, like, legit but also not legit no-hitter because ten innings pitched, no hits, no runs, no earned runs. 10 walks, 12 strikeouts. Hmm. Okay. At least, at least he had a positive yeah. ratio there. Yeah. Uh, he probably had a positive FIP that day. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> His F4 probably went up on that day. You could pro- I could probably check. His, or, you know what? I'm going to. Yeah. I wonder, well, actually, I wait, think, no, I definitely can't. Yeah, no. Nah. You can only do day-by-day data from 2002 on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Game score 94. The worst what? game score was, oh, of course, it was Happy Townsend, obviously. Oh, guy yeah, that's from, a classy happy guy moment. from Townsend, Delaware in 1902, August 1st, 1902. He lost 13 to nothing to the Detroit Tigers. Eight innings pitched, 12 hits, uh, 13 runs, 10 earned, 12 walks, one strikeout, no home runs at least. Game score of one. Uh. <laughs> uh, Bobo Newsom is also on this list. Of people who have done so, Happy Town said's on here at least twice. Bobo Newsom's there again. Who's done it the most? Let me see who's done this the most. What eight in, eight innings, ten walks? Eight innings pitched, ten walks in a single game. Bobo Newsom has done it six times. Nah. Yeah, Bob Feller did it five times. Tommy Byrne, Tommy Byrne, from uh, what year is this? Nineteen, all in nineteen fifty one. Hmm. All in nineteen fifty one did it five times. Did he play in a year besides 1951? Let me check. It'd be funny if that was his only time in the league. No, he played from 43 to 57. Ah. So he had five <clears throat> had of those games year. all were the same year out of a 13-year career. Yeah. That's pretty remarkable. <laughs> um, that year in general, he pitched for uh, the Yankees and the St. Louis Browns. Um, which is pretty cool. He had he led the league with 15 hit by pitches and 143 and two thirds innings pitched, which is pretty remarkable. I wonder. <clears throat> he led the majors in walks with 150. There were definitely people, uh, that threw like 150 more innings than him that had less. He had 9.4 walks per nine in 143 innings pitched. Jeez, I want, <clears throat> it makes me wonder if. He went from the Yankees to the Browns. Like the Yankees were just, they just get tired of him. If it was I mean, Browns, yeah, he had a 686 ERA with the Yankees and 21 innings pitched. And he had a 382 ERA with the Browns. Um, with the Yankees, he had 36 walks in 21 innings. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's Tommy uh, B Y R N E. Yeah. <clears throat> um, 19, well, what a What a career. Yeah, he could have. He probably got a World Series ring that year too, which he probably had a lot because he played eleven years with the Yankees from forty three to, uh, from forty three to fifty one, and then from fifty four to fifty seven. So he definitely, he definitely had yeah. a fun There's a fair amount for he, sure. He won two World Series. Yeah. Yeah. Fifty <clears> one. <throat> he probably wasn't on the roster some of those years. Um, yeah. Let's see. In the postseason, 
Yep, he had 5.1 walks per nine and 21 innings pitched. But he had a 2.53 ERA. Um, hmm. He won in 1949 with the Yankees and 1956 with the Yankees. Uh, in 1956, he threw a third of an inning in the World Series. Ah, yeah. yeah. Most uh, people he, remember he did Don give up a home run. Or no, wait, no, he didn't. Wait, what? It says, okay, it says in the 1956 World Series, he had 27 home runs per nine, but a zero ERA. Um. How how is that he gave up? It says he gave up a home run, but he had a zero ERA. How is that possible? Was it like an inside the park home? No, it couldn't have been an inside the park home run on an error that wouldn't count as a home run. Yeah, it wouldn't count as a home run. <clears throat> that's a, that's weird. That's a that's that's a that's a typo. There's, no, I, there's just no way. I can't believe they would mess up. Tommy they they, they, they like probably that. wouldn't find this. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> those fools. They thought they were just gonna sneak that one by us. Uh, nope. which which game was it? I need to find his his playoff uh, game logs so I can so I can find more details on this. Uh, it was game two of the 1956 World Series between the Yankees and the Brooklyn Dodgers. The Dodgers won 13 to eight. Um, it was Don, it was the all Don matchup, Don Newcomb versus Don Larson. This is not so, the perfect game. Not the perfect game. No. I mean, it'd be crazy if he did throw a perfect, I mean, we're on the topic of no hitters where a team wins. I mean, it'd be crazy if Don Larson threw a perfect game and gave up 13 runs. Yeah, that would be. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> um, okay. Tommy. Okay. Here it is. Duke Snyder homered off of him. It was a three-run home run, and then he struck out Jackie Robinson. Okay. All right. Um, it was a huge home run, actually. The Yankees were up. So the Yankees came into the bottom of the second inning, winning 6 nothing. Um, And then Don Larson uh, gave up two runs and had two men on, and he got replaced. They, they treated this like a um, – they treated this like a uh, 2021 playoff game. They re- they took him out after an inning and a third with one earned run. It ended up being three earned runs, of course. Yeah. <clears throat> Duke Snyder gave up a home run. I mean, that's gotta be that's gotta be one earned run. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I can't believe they thought they would sneak that one by us. Yeah, unless possibly. Although I think I don't think this would matter <clears throat> if you just came in, but unless maybe like there was an error earlier in the inning and there should have been three outs. There was. Maybe. There was. But there was were there two outs at the time? But I think when a reliever comes in. Or, no, there was one out. There were two outs at the time. I guess that's why, but it's still Wait. weird. But it's a, yeah, they break, should, <clears throat> break down his appearance again. Um okay, so the <laughs> inning. Went single, E3, walk, sack fly, foul pop fly. So that's two outs. Walk, single, Tommy Byrne comes in, home run, strikeout. Hmm. I guess that's the best explanation is there was an wow. error and the inning should have been up. But, like, I don't know. It's still, I like, think, it's Yeah, because I thought when a reliever comes in, that just cancels out and everything's earned for the reliever. 
Huh. Well, I don't know. I guess you learn something new every day. <clears throat> we learn something new every day at ARR. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. Anyway, so the Reds uh, pitched a no hitter and still lost. Uh, that that yeah. was uh, fucking Tommy Byrne. Yeah. <laughs> that's what a tangent. That's that's uh, yeah, an all timer for sure. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that was a that was a that was one topic of Sunday, and then uh, <clears throat> on primetime television on sunday night the cardinals were up 15 to 2 uh surprisingly after facing carlos rodon and uh closing it out for the cardinals was albert pujols who is uh obviously if you're a baseball fan you would know him as one of the greatest first basemen of all time yeah, if you know if you and if you uh, became a baseball fan yesterday, you would know him as the worst pitcher ever. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> four runs in in an inning. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, he comes out. I mean, it was a cool moment. He probably just you know he probably just saw the score and he maybe before the season he was saying that uh, you know if 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 it was a blowout he wanted to pitch and mm-hmm. there he is gets to pitch. You know, this might be that this might have been the only time in his career where he had a manager that would actually listen to him on that request. Yeah. Well, like, also, really, like Tony LaRusso probably wouldn't have done that. Right. But um, maybe, also, maybe, I mean, maybe Joe Madden would have. Joe Madden definitely would have. I take that back. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But also, it's like, uh, <clears throat> this is also like the only time where either he's not in you know, extremely, extremely valuable asset to the team or under a crazy contract. Um, Mm -hmm. Because like, you know, one of the things, one of the things with, uh, you know, uh, position players pitching is that it's usually like like a guy that kind of is on the bench. Like, you know, maybe you have him in a platoon role. Yeah. You don't have your star player. Like there's a reason you've never seen Mike Trout uh, as a position player pitching. Um, you see, never, see Jose Canseco. Yeah, you 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 never, yeah, you never really have your star player do that. So like you know, Albert Pujols right now is uh, forty two, and you know he's kind of a platoon guy for the Cardinals. Um, so it seems you know more appropriate that that that'll happen now. And yeah, he's been. This is his twenty uh, second year. Yeah, twenty second year of his career. And yeah, he finally gets this opportunity. So good for him. It's cool. Nothing. I mean, uh, I don't know if I don't think we could find this, but like Adam Wainwright started the game and Albert Pujols finished it. That's got to be like one of the oldest duos to start and finish a game. Yeah. Like, like, unless like not counting like the 75 complete games that Nolan Ryan threw from like 1988 on. Right. Um, there was this. So. It obviously it brought me back to a history episode, and I've there's something about um, this thing with Steve Carlton and Phil Necro. And uh, I forget if it was the oldest to start and finish or oldest to face each other. So I'm just going to go to Steve Carlton's Saber Page and Command F Phil Necro. Um, just enough. because, like, you know, we have 
we have. That's the closest thing we can use. Um. Okay. It that it actually had nothing to do with age. Uh. Carlton and Negro became the first teammates with three hundred wins each to appear in the same game. Ah. Uh. Yeah, Albert Pools has got a, a ways to go before 300 wins, and Adam Wainwright probably does too. Yeah. <laughs> very true. Very true. Adam Wainwright is sitting at uh, 188 career wins. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, he's got give – him, give him six 20 win seasons, he'll be right there. Yeah, at, at age, the age 40. of 46. Is he at age? Yeah, he is at age 40 currently. Cool. Yeah, so two 40-year-olds starting and ending a game on Sunday Night Baseball, too. Um, yeah, on Sunday Night Baseball. I actually want to go How funny to... is it that that was an Adam Wainwright versus Carlos Ordon, like, should be a pitching duel type of game, but instead we got Albert Pujols pitching. Yeah, that it was weird to see, like, because Rodon hasn't had a bad start all year, and then he had a Oh, he's, in fact, he's had very good starts every single time. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, I'm looking. I'm just looking for player breakdowns. Okay, Albert Pujols. He had 27 pitches. Uh, well, let 19, me guess. They're all the same pitch. It says 19 fastballs and eight curveballs, but I think that's just a stat cast registry thing. Yeah, I think he threw the same thing every time, and some of them happen to be faster than the other. Yeah. Um, it says his average. Fastball velocity was 62.4. Average curveball velocity, 53.3. Yes. Um, on the day, average exit velocity against of 94.4. Um, not not great, not great. But luckily, uh, he also plays first base. So, and is a quality designated hitter. So I think he does. I think he does have a future in this league. Yeah, he does. I mean, it's what's his uh I mean his fifth's gotta be miserable because he gave up two home runs. Um yeah, we'll have to take another look here. His ex fip though, I I bet there's something there. There, yeah, for sure. Um, I, mean, see, I don't yeah, think he uh, walked anybody, so I bet he I bet he had a better ex fip than uh definitely than, like Reed Denmerson is no hitter. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh yeah. 32.1 FIP, 8.82 XFIP. Ah, okay. Um, hey, it's not that bad though. It was yeah, it's because uh, he it's because he had one walk and no strikeouts. Seven seven pitchers had a had a worse XFIP yesterday. Okay. We did have a walk. Yeah. That's tough. yeah, the the walk set him up bad. Yeah. Um 15.14 expected ERA. Mm-hmm. He was not even the worst pitcher in that game by uh by XFIP. That's funny. Was it Rodon or someone else? It was a uh, Junior Marte from the Giants. He he had a uh, three walks in an inning and a third, an inning and two or four walks in an inning and two thirds. I think. Yeah, no one was doing particularly well for the Giants pitching wise that he game. Also, he also didn't give up a home run, and he probably had a fly ball in somewhere there. Yeah. Right. Right. 0% home run to fly ball ratio. Yeah. It's a it's it's a Mickey Mouse game. Yeah. Everyone knows if that you have to if you give up eight fly balls in a game, 
you have, you have to, to give up at least one home run. Or no, if you if you give up two fly balls in a game, you have to give up a quarter of a home run. Otherwise, it's a Mickey Mouse performance. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but uh, but anyway, uh, that uh, that's that's Albert Pujols pitching. Yes. Um, all right. So is it time to get into players to highlight? I think or, it is. Yeah. A shorter one, shorter one today, but yeah, we made it. We made it longer considering the topics we had. Um, yeah, we, we yeah we did. Uh, we yeah we we, Tommy Burns. we definitely yeah with the no hitter one. I mean, we went as as far into it as you could really, with the <laughs> grand historical perspective. We went we went into a, a 1956 World Series controversy. We did, yeah the the controversy of you know what's an earned run what's not an earned run yeah I, it's pretty 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 good stuff for very deep yeah yeah um but now we will get into our monday may 16th 2022 edition of all right maybe that wasn't loud enough little, you got a uh, notification in the middle of it yeah, that's the great Alex Ricard uh, texting me. Um, of of <laughs> that's a, that's a full Ricard, not even in the school year. Yeah, um, yeah. Springfield yeah. people understand. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, who are you looking at as a how about that this week or my this how Monday? About that, my how about that for today is quietly been one of the better starting pitchers in the league. I'm talking about a guy that as a as a fan of a guy that or as a fan of a team that this guy used to pitch for, never would have, never would have imagined putting him on this segment. But I'm talking about Martin Perez uh, today, who has a 2.01 ERA and a 2.44 FIP in 40 innings pitched, uh, which puts him tied for sixth in pitcher F4 for the season. Uh, he has a K-to-walk ratio of three, which if that stays put, it would be his career high. And he's also yet to give up a home run. Uh, Perez has thrown his sinker as his primary pitch for this year, that's the first time he's done that since 2018. And because of that, his ground ball rate has gone up by 8% since last year, which makes sense if he's throwing a sinker more. But his fly ball rate has also gone up by 5%. That means that something had to have dropped significantly, and it did. His, his line drive rate has gone down 11% since last year. That is the 20th largest decrease among the 245 qualifiers between the two years. So... He's being way more efficient with his with the batted balls that he's giving up. Way, you know, and being that he's not a big strikeout guy, that's huge for him. Uh, in 2018, Perez, which keep in mind, that was the year that he last threw the sinker as his primary pitch. 2018, he had the shift deployed for him on 5.8% of all batters faced, which when you're giving up a pitch that produces a lot of ground balls, 5.8% is not going to cut it. And that's why he wasn't good in 2018. This year, it has been there for 40.2% of batters faced, almost eight times as much. Uh, and naturally, this year, hitters are batting 222 on ground balls against the sinker, opposed to the 323 that they were batting against them in 2018. So it's over a 100-point difference on batting average against ground balls on his sinker. Uh, and when you put the shift there for more than 5.8% of the batters faced, that's going to be the result. And Martin Perez uh, has uses that to his advantage and he's also just had really good control and that's why he is my how about that martin per uh, martin perez how about that? um 
so uh yeah so today is may 16th so it took about a little over a month uh for us to have the same how about that ah um yeah yeah um he's just well he's to i guess to yeah i, I guess it's a compliment to martin perez because he's just been that good it's just hard to ignore uh some things i have on him uh if you isolate it to his last five starts it's it's, it's pretty in- incredible in his last five starts he has a 0.84 era and a 2.15 fit in 32 and a third innings pitched um out of 75 qualifiers in that five start span he leads the league in era and is sixth in fielding independent pitching uh and you know kind of going more into the detail of the change of pitch usage as you were mentioning uh last year hitters hit 331 and slugged 549 off his cutter so he changed his approach uh overall in the year he's increased increased his sinker usage by 13.9 percentage points and decreased his cutter usage by 9.8 percentage points however everything is working um as you mentioned the sinker is working very well especially with the shift i didn't uh i wasn't looking at the shift uh that was very good insight there his sinker has an average launch angle against of zero degrees and a 220 slugging against his changeup has a 171 slugging against and his cutter actually has an average launch angle against of 27 degrees which means he's usually given up some some high fly balls uh usually that's what it means because it's like obviously not not every uh launch angle is going to be exactly 27 degrees so it averages out and usually that means there's going to be some high fly balls so an average launch angle against 27 degrees is kind of promising and uh, along with that uh that cutter that cutter has a 273 uh slugging against so i guess martin perez again getting a How about that? um so yeah, yeah I mean, it's good that we took two completely different angles to it i guess uh i set the over under at, at june 15th so we were just under a month away yeah uh yeah it, it happened <clears throat> now let's see if we can have the same slightly alarming yeah for sure um so now we go from the highest to lows where we're talking players or subjects that have been underperforming now for our monday may 16 2022 edition of slightly alarming who do you got for so i uh like the difference between martin perez for both of our analysis that i went full season and you went uh over like a certain span. I did the same approach for my slightly alarming. So I don't know if you did as well, but I'm talking about Fran Reyes, who has mm. just really been struggling this year. He's slashing 207, 258, 293, 551. He is a 65 weighted runs created plus and a minus 0.5 F4, which ranks tied for third worst among the 169 major league qualifiers. Um, his K to walk ratio as a hitter is 0.14, which is tied for the third worst again, among qualified hitters and his also his 41.4% strikeout rate is the second worst in the majors. He's not hitting the ball very well. Um, and he's still, you know, he's still hitting the ball hard. It's just, you know, like when you're, when you're striking out all the time, that still goes into a lot of your expected statistics, which is why he is in the bottom 20% in X Woba, X expected batting average, expected slugging, K rate, walk rate, whiff rate, and sprint speed. And probably the most alarming thing here is that he also has a 339 BABIP. Uh, so you can't even chalk it up to misfortune. 
You know, it's not like he's hitting the ball hard right at someone. He's just not hitting the ball at an extremely high rate. Uh, and that is why Fran Mil Reyes is my slightly alarming. Yeah, Fran Mil Reyes. Uh, yeah, he's he's definitely been uh, like always at the bottom of the uh, F4 rankings. Mm. And he's getting a slightly alarming. Um, and uh, yeah, it was funny that you were saying like, you know what you know what if we get the uh same slightly alarming and then you said Fran Mil Reyes and uh it was kind of the name was kind of close because the first three letters were the exact same uh like, I'm no talking way. about Frank Schwindel yeah um so this might not be a big deal to a lot of people because it like Frank Schwindel was like he was kind of odd last year like he really? was he your player to watch on the Cubs uh no mine was um i don't know it doesn't matter right now but uh but it, it was not frank schwindel i do remember that but frank schwindel he's yeah kind of an odd year last year he got traded i i, I don't know but he was went from the A's to the Cubs, so i imagine he was in the a- andrew chafin deal um and uh and then with the cubs he had 56 games and he had an ops over a thousand um, but his expected statistics were like much lower than what he was uh, able to do. And uh, but yeah, now he is struggling um, in his last 19 games. He's hitting 188 with a 427 OPS, a 32.8 percent strikeout rate and a 4.5 percent walk rate. And that that strikeout rate is kind of alarming because, uh, you know, one of the things he was doing well last year was putting the ball in play not striking out his strikeout rate was about i think it was 15.8 percent and then you know in his last 19 games it's more than doubled uh from that uh out of 169 qualifiers in this 19 game span his ops is eighth worst and his slugging is seventh worst uh also uh breaking it down just by pitch uh, overall, last year, his run value per 100 plate appearances on four-seam fastballs was a positive 3.1. And this year, it is negative 3.3. So a major turnaround on his ability to hit four-seam fastballs. So that made so last year, it was ninth out of 420. Uh, and now it is fifth worst out of 251. So his run value per 100 plate appearances on forcing fastballs went from top 2% to bottom 2%. Very odd, very odd from Frank Schwindel. And that's overall in the year. That's not just in this 19 game span. Uh, However, in his last 19 games, he is slugging 233 off all fastballs, uh, 233 after slugging 685 off all fastballs last year. Um, So Frank Schwindel uh, I never really was too high on him, but he is struggling um, significantly right now and getting a slightly alarming. Um, so, yeah, there's uh, Frank Schwindel, who's this yeah right-handed, for, right-handed first baseman for the Cubs. And uh, he's like 30. And I don't know, he was when I was looking at how about that's potential. How about that's last year? He was always like in in the spans, like top of like the uh, OPS leaderboards, 
And I was like, and I just looked at his bad bit and it was like 450. And I was like, nah, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I did. I thought the same thing. I literally did. I was like, cause like Rafael Ortega, I think was also in the same boat. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, yeah, the Cubs were like this, the Cubs were stru- struggling so mightily, but Frank Schwindel and Rafael Ortega were not, um, that was a very fun, funny thing, but yeah, that does it for players to highlight. Um, and now we'll talk about, we'll preview the, uh, week ahead, um, where I will point out some series to watch. Daniel will put, point out some day by day matchups to look out for. Um, so yeah, just looking here at the MLB app. Um, I guess, some interesting series would include uh, the rematch of the National League Division Series last year in which the Braves uh, took uh, three out of four um, to advance to the NLCS. It is Brewers-Braves at American Family Field. That is going to be going until um, – that's going to be going until Wednesday – and yeah, on that Wednesday comes a great pitching matchup, which Daniel will probably get into. Yes, I will. Um, but yeah, that is going to be a nice three-game set. The Brewers have been doing very, very well. The Braves have kind of started the year like they started last year, which is uh, under five hundred. Um, and you know, they, obviously they nothing. To, they, they want them. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, nothing to be alarmed about. I mean, this is this. It would, it would be more alarming if they were, you know. 25 and 10 um yeah something would be something would be pretty off there um and what was the other series i was looking at or yeah not a great series let's start with let's look at the ones that start on tuesday see if there's anything else that's that's good um yeah and then uh after that um Cardinals Mets is interesting. You got Steven Matz uh, facing the Mets on Tuesday. That should be that should be good. Yeah. Um, or the Steven Matz revenge game, and then uh, I guess another series to watch would be Phillies Padres. Phillies um, kind of hard to take a temperature on them right now. It's just like their offense looks great, um, especially like Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper. Um, but it is kind of hard to get a temperature on them. And the Padres have been doing pretty well, but that is going to be at Citizens Bank Park. And I believe that should be three games. Yeah, will be three games. So yeah, check out those series. <clears throat> what do you got for the day-by-day matchups? Yeah. Um, by the way, Bryce Harper tore his UCL and he's just still in the lineup and he's hitting like better than ever. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so weird. Um, looking at day-by-day matchups, um, and Tigers and Rays, you have Alex Fado facing Corey Kluber. Uh, Alex Fado, very good story. Um, was a top prospect before 2018. Had a couple good years and then had to undergo Tommy John surgery. He's in the big leagues now. Um, Sandy Alcantara will be facing the Nationals at uh, Lone Depot Field, I think it's called. Uh, Luis Severino will be facing the Orioles at the, uh, the very pitcher-friendly Camden Yards. Um, in Mariners Blue Jays, you will have Chris Flexen versus Yusei Kikuchi. In uh, Astros Red Sox, you will have Garrett Whitlock facing Jake Odorizzi at Fenway. Um, in 
Uh, Pirates-Cubs, you will have Wade Miley facing the Pirates at Wrigley. Um, that's matchup of the night. Angels versus Rangers, Noah Syndergaard facing John Gray, who's had some injury troubles early in the season. Um, White Sox-Royals, of course, you have Brad Keller, the re-re-re-re-rematch uh, against Tim Anderson. I'm sure he's faced them a million times since then. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alex Wood versus Antonio Santatella in Giants-Rockies. Um, Tony Gonsolin and Madison Bumgarner going against each other at Dodger Stadium for um, Di- Diamondbacks-Dodgers. Matchup of the night comes from Brewers and Braves at American Family Field, like Chris mentioned. Uh, this is not the matchup he was hinting at, but Ian Anderson versus Freddie Peralta uh, will be a good one. It's a game three rematch. Yes, it is. That was uh, the Braves won that one. The Braves won two, three, and four. Yep. So now looking at um, Tuesday, this is very weird, by the way. Um, the Diamondbacks and Dodgers have a doubleheader at Dodger Stadium, but the start times are really weird. 3.10 p.m. Eastern time and then 10.10 p.m. Eastern time. That's seven hours in between start times. So like, if, you're, if, if game one ends at like, I don't know, six, six, six o'clock Eastern time, that'd be 3 p.m. local time. That's four hours till the start of the next game. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very yeah. weird, uh, very weird thing. Usually it doesn't work like that. Um, anyway, uh, in Guardians Reds, you have the battle for Ohio. Um, Connor Overton will pitch for the Reds. He was the first Reds pitcher all season to go six innings uh, over the weekend, which is kind of sad, but that's the state of the Reds. He'll be facing mm. Zach Plezak. Um, Shane McClanahan will be facing the Tigers at Tropicana. Um, Jameson Tyon will be pitching for the Yankees against the Orioles. Jose Arquiti versus Nathan Ovaldi will face each other in Red Sox Astros. Steven Matz will be making his return to City Field. I don't think he's has he pitched at City Field since returning? Um, no. Yeah, okay. I yeah, I believe or, that. Or actually, hmm, because the East faced the East last year. Yeah. Interleague, but um, I don't know if the Blue Jays went to City Field. Yeah, I guess he could probably check his. I mean, let me check his game logs real quick. Yeah. Um, because if he did in 2020, <laughs> it doesn't count. Um. Yeah, that's true. I'm not or, counting. Um, he did. He did face. He did pitch at City Field, July 23rd last year. Mm. Yeah, the Blue Jays. I was at a Blue Jays Mets game in City Field. Obviously, I should have known that. Um, I wasn't at that game though. Reed yeah. Demers will be making his first start post no hitter against the Rangers at Globe Life Field. Uh, Alex Cobb versus Chad Cool will be facing each other in Giants Rockies. Chad Cool is still pitching very well. Uh, James Caprillion will be facing the Twins for the A's in Oakland. And match of the night comes from Mariners Blue Jays, Logan Gilbert versus Jose Barrios. Um, that'll be a good one in Toronto. Uh, Mariners just took a series from the Mets, the first series loss of the year. They're looking to turn things around. So, And the Blue Jays are also looking to turn things around. They've been struggling as of late. I think they, at one point, had lost like seven of nine. Um, uh, the Blue Jays? Yes. Oh yeah, I think that yeah, I think they've lost yeah six out of nine or or no or so, nine out of twelve or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, on Wednesday, Eduardo Rodriguez will be facing Drew Rasmussen uh, in Tigers Rays at the Trop. Logan Webb will be facing the uh, will be facing the Rockies at Coors. 
Sonny Gray will be facing the A's uh, in Oakland Coliseum, his old home, his like three teams ago home when he was at his peak, probably. Yeah. Walker Buehler will be facing the Diamondbacks at Dodger Stadium. Tyler Male will be pitching on the road, so you know that he'll be uh, he'll be pitching really well. Um, Luis Garcia and Nick Pavetta will be facing each other in Astros Red Sox. Nick Pavetta has been much better in his last few starts. Uh, Josiah Gray and Pablo Lopez will be facing each other in Nats Marlins. Uh, Blake Snell and Zach Wheeler will be facing each other in uh, Padres Phillies. That's uh, that's very close to being match of the night, but it won't be, unfortunately, because there's a better one out there. Garrett Cole will be facing the Orioles. Uh, Marco Gonzalez versus Kevin Gosman will be going against each other in Mariners Jays. A lot of good matchups on Wednesday. Jordan Hicks versus Max Serger at City Field. Um, Shohei Otani versus Dane Dunning. Dane Dunning has been doing a lot better this season. And matchup of the night, as Chris mentioned, comes from Brewers Braves. Max Fried versus Corbin Burns doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. Yeah, that those are uh yeah, two viable Cy Young candidates um yes. for this year. And uh and yeah, yeah, have have made a name for themselves for sure. And yeah, that's gonna be great. That's gonna be great. Um, all right. Well, that does it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed this one. If you want to follow, if or if you want, if if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it's funny. It's it's like a computer program with me right now. Yeah. Uh, if yeah, when 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 it's on Zoom, you go into the YouTube channel because if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, go to our YouTube channel, subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's called Above Replacement Radio. Uh, you know, just uh, check us out. Check check out the uh, talking pictures and also our playlists. Um, we have playlists for our history series, our bubble case Hall of Fame breakdowns. Uh, if you're if you're still thinking about the Hall of Fame right now, because um, there's still a lot of guys we talked about that um, you know are on the ballot soon or, or still on the ballot and uh, still yet to be inducted. So check out those and. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta and follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore current and follow the show Instagram at above replacement radio for all the show needs. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you on probably Thursday. No guarantees though, but probably Thursday where we will be talking all the happenings in major league baseball. Once again, see you then. This conversation, this conversation is over. Is over.